the Clearwater Multiples heat map is here, and it once again reveals asset prices creeping up to a new high. The abundance of dry powder among GPs may be one driver, but a cautious focus upon resilient sectors appears to be another. Join us as we discuss the heat map's results, including deep dives into the Nordic region and the healthcare sector, in this episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listeners, and a very warm welcome to this latest episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. I am Greg Gill, the editor of Unquote, and I will be your host today. In this special episode, brought to you in partnership with Clearwater International, we will be diving into the results of the latest Multiples Heatmap report, which looked at valuation trends for European payback transactions in the first quarter of 2021. As you may have guessed if you've been paying any attention to the private equity market in recent weeks, things were certainly hot, with a flurry of activity carrying over from Q4 into the first quarter of this year, and a continuing flight to quality, meaning that these assets change hands at punchy multiples. We have a number of experts from Clearwater International coming on the podcast today to highlight the key takeaways from that incredibly busy first quarter. I will first turn to Marcus Archer, Clearwater's managing partner and head of private equity, to discuss the main findings of the report. For Q1, the heat map also contains specific focuses on the healthcare sector and the Nordic region. So we'll be joined by Director Jamish Rassal, managing partner Thomas Armgren, and partner Lise Roy Jacobson a little bit later on. We have a lot to go through in this episode, so let's dive straight in by welcoming Marcus Archer to explore the main takeaways of pricing trends in the first quarter of the year. And I am now joined by Marcus Archer, Managing Partner and Head of Private Equity at Clearwater International. Marcus, a pleasure to welcome you back on the podcast. Thanks, Greg. Great to be speaking again. So the Q1 multiples heat map pretty much confirms what many of us have been feeling since the start of 2021. Uh, the market seems incredibly busy and valuations haven't shown any sign of coming down. Is that your take as well? And what else stood out for you in this latest edition of the report? No, very much so. Um, activity levels picked up as as we talked about last time at the back end of last year. And we've seen that momentum very much continue and grow into the first quarter of this calendar year. Um, I would say as a focus... Um, on the key resilient growth sectors, uh, those being tech, those being pharma and life sciences in particular, um, particularly in the service industry, there's a focus on end markets rather than all markets. And we've really seen a, a market where there's no room for lower quality businesses, but really, really high multiples and competitive processes for the high quality businesses in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we certainly don't see any let up in those activity levels on the horizon, you know, at least from our perspective just now. Um, but we have detected a little bit of softness across a few private equity funds that are either seeing lower volumes of new opportunities now or seeing um, a lower a lower volume of higher quality opportunities that would be a good fit for them to invest in. Mm. Okay. A um, couple of those observations on the on the data. Um, I was interested to see that the UK and the Nordic regions were, were up in terms of volumes, which is no great surprise, um, but slightly surprised to see the rest of Europe dipping down from the volumes that we saw in Q4 last year. Um, and my best guess is that is partly COVID related that some of those economies opened up a bit more slowly than uh, the UK and the Nordic regions did. Um, it wasn't a great surprise to see the tech market with high volumes and high values of deals. Um, I did expect more, more volume in healthcare, particularly in pharma and life sciences. Um, and we can see that coming through in the multiples with uh, that being the hottest sector in Europe. But I did expect to see more volume in healthcare. 
Um, and I was pleased to see industrials and automotive picking up in terms of value and volume. Um, and that's all come about with the, with the economy and the world opening up. And it's always good to see old economy assets, the industrial sector in particular, um, pick, picking up. Um, interesting to see healthcare outpacing tech in terms of multiples. I think as we speak to private equity funds across Europe, all of them have got a focus on technology, technology-enabled businesses. Um, there's also a big famous on, focus on pharma and life sciences. And there have been some really high-profile deals at very high prices, um, which is driving that really high multiple in, in healthcare. Um, I was also interested in seeing the automotive sector multiples pick up again, which I think is a function of the world opening up again and people being able to get automotive vehicles across borders and start to distribute again. Um, but interesting to see the automotive sector pick up. Um, and the final observation, I guess, was good to see a pickup in Benelux, which has lagged behind the rest of Europe in terms of multiples, um, but slightly surprised to see the DAC region dropping back in multiples in the last quarter, um, which again is just, I suspect that's down to just uh, the slowness of the rollout of the vaccine program, program in DAC, and I expect that to pick up in the next quarter. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, and you mentioned uh, the UK in particular being incredibly busy in Q1 and probably driving a lot of the the overall numbers. Um, so between January and March, have you seen that deal doing appetite sustained since then? Because um, I think part of the, the reasoning in market was that there was a, a big rush that was sort of spurred by potential announcements in, in a budget as well, which obviously didn't come to pass uh, with regards to to CGT rates. Um, so what, what's been the picture since then? Do you still see uh, incredible volumes of activity. We have, no, we have in our, in our business very much so. Um, and we've hired almost 20 more people this calendar year to meet the demand for for, for what we're doing. Um, and part of that is coming from private equity and part of that's coming from the origination that we do with with founder owners and founder managers of businesses. But, you know, for us, the level of activity in Q2 of getting businesses ready to go to market or or indeed completing some of those that started off in Q1, you know, remains as strong with a, a stronger pipeline as we've ever had for the rest of the year. Um, I'm not sure that's consistent across the whole market, but I think our peer group would all say they're they're pretty busy and they're hiring um, and their outlooks look positive for the rest of the year. Um, so no particular sign of cool down um, just yet. Um, but that point I made earlier on, I think still does resonate a bit where quite a few people are just jumping on the bandwagon of a hot market um, and just chucking any old asset out there in the market. Um, but if the quality isn't there or the business isn't prepared properly or the timetable is too quick um, or the management team isn't fully formed, for example, then... Uh, you know, interest levels are low and multiples decline pretty quickly from some of the toppy levels that we that we see in the heat map this quarter. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I was wondering as well if uh, part of perhaps at some point the whole market cooling down uh, c- could be with um, to do with the, the sort of once we've processed a backlog of of processes from Q2, Q3 last year that obviously, you know, some of them were, were put on hold and process just got elongated. Uh, we've seen some of these going back uh, between Q4 and, and Q1 this year and then progressing. And, uh, but do you think at some point there's going to be a bit of a, you know, once that's cleared, there's going to be a natural kind of drop in in opportunities coming to market. No signs of that yet. Um, definitely no signs of that yet. Um, and I think there's a there's a few different factors at play. Uh, you know, one is the much talked about wall of capital that needs to be deployed. So, private equity in general are uh, you know really hungry for deals or to put follow on capital behind platforms they've already invested in. Um, second point would be there's there is still a CGT change on the horizon whether that's later this year or early next year, but at some point there is going to be a change. Um, So that is still in people's minds about the timing of their exits. Um, And then you've also got two other factors around. One, the point you just made around catch-up of deals that didn't happen last year. But the other dynamic is those those businesses that have pivoted quickly and moved to digital um, and experienced high growth uh, with good outlooks and resilient markets. 
Um, I think there's been an acceleration of deals that wouldn't have happened for a couple of years coming through as well. So I think the the, the, the slowdown that may come from the catch up from last year has been more than upset by the acceleration of businesses coming to market sooner than they perhaps expected to. Um, and some of that's about owner managers feeling strong about their businesses and growth and want to become consolidators. Um, so therefore raising growth capital. Um, and the other part of the equation will be some of the older generation that have been through COVID, um, you know, probably not had the best experience through it and have been through a number of other difficult periods in the market over the last 10 to 15 years have moved to that point of thinking about their overall life objectives and looking to exit their businesses sooner. Um, and I think that factor is offsetting the, the slowdown that may come from the pent-up demand from last year that was was delayed. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing a, a lot more private equity-backed businesses as well coming back to market if the uh, if the, the overall situation improves. Um, thank you very much, Marcus. Uh, a pleasure as always. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Greg. Now, as Marcus has just pointed out, not all sectors have seen similar levels of appetite in recent weeks. Healthcare assets have definitely been on the list of net winners of the pandemic, and the sector saw valuations heating up further in Q1, hitting a record high of 13.7 times EBITDA on average. Unquote senior reporter Alessia Argentieri has been speaking to Ramesh Jassal, Clearwater International's head of healthcare, to see where the sector is headed. We've got with us today Ramesh Jassal, International Head of Healthcare at Clearwater International, to tell us more about market trends and multiple valuations across the healthcare sector. Hi, Ramesh. Thank you for taking part in our podcast. Hi, Alicia. Thank you for the invitation and a pleasure to talk to you. We saw that the healthcare market received a massive boost in financing with the spread of the pandemic and recorded a stable deal flow and a notable increase in multiple valuations in quarter one 2021. What are the main drivers behind this strong activity and these high valuations, Ramesh? That's a good question, Alicia. The healthcare sector has been a very robust and has shown strong resilience during the pandemic and even before the pandemic. And the three reasons why healthcare is such a strong sector is because it's anti-cyclical in nature, it's exacerbated by the need for new and old healthcare solutions, which was clearly shown during the pandemic. A large number of the businesses are underpinned by government funding. For example, contracts still being paid without the volume. The long-term chronic care conditions and aging demographics still needs to be served. And those patients are further waiting for elective surgery, which is spiraling out of control currently. So all these drivers are very positive. If you compare the healthcare sector to other industries like the industrials, leisure and hospitality retail sector, it is far better. It's probably faring as close to the strong PMT sector performance. So in healthcare, the consequence has been that the pandemic has caused the flight to quality from PE firms into the healthcare sector due to these strong fundamentals, which I've just discussed. And what you're finding is with increased competition from private equity, driving valuation into the double digit territory due to the scarcity of the outstanding assets that require strong management teams. Thank you, Ramesh. That's very interesting. And which segments across the healthcare industry have most attracted the interest of private equity investors? Private equity firms have become eager for businesses that were growing pre-COVID and during the pandemic that were able to adapt and continue to outperform. So those are quite attracted to private equity. A couple of the sectors that have performed really well is the healthcare services and the health and social care space, and also 
a drive towards the care delivery within the community that has gained private equity interest. As these new solutions near the community sector was already a trend pre-pandemic, but has been accelerated during the pandemic. This has been further compounded with elective surgery numbers piling up, people living with chronic conditions at home, and that will drive a demand for triage, diagnostic and surgery solutions. As an example, recently we saw G-Square acquire a business called Diagnostics Healthcare, which is creating a community diagnostic service offering. Another segment of healthcare that's performed well is farmer outsourcing segment, which is mainly geared towards serving global end customers. So no regional differences there. They adapted very early on in the pandemic, especially in these people-based businesses that are project management-based, consultancy-based in medcoms and so forth, by taking services closer to the customer, the healthcare professionals and patients. By implementing remote working practices, they were able to improve margins due to reduced traveling, not attending conferences or other non-essential costs. The growth in this sector has been continuous, ranging from 30 to 60% or even higher year on year, depending on the business. This has attracted a broad pool of investors, including both private equity firms with long experience in healthcare and several newcomers that had not invested in healthcare before and now have dived into the sector. In summary, the multiples that were trading at high single and low digit before the pandemic moved to low double and mid double digit in Q1 of 2021 respectively. In the farmer outsourcing segment, the increase has been particularly significant with assets that were trading at around 11 to 13 times before COVID, reaching 15 times plus after the pandemic. That's very interesting. Thank you, Ramesh. Looking ahead, the healthcare market is expected to build up momentum with new opportunities arising across Europe. What is your outlook for the coming months? I think the outlook is promising for M&A across healthcare services in the coming quarters, due to the available capital in the market, driving further multiples north due to the scarcity of those assets. This is all underpinned by a robust sector with strong fundamentals, which will continue to reassure private equity, especially businesses that play in the farmer outsourcing sector with global end customers that will fare well to any regional or domestic end customer differences that you may see in the healthcare services market. Thank you very much, Ramesh, for taking part in our podcast and for all your interesting insights. Really interesting stuff from Ramesh there. Now we're going to move to our regional focus. The Nordic PE market continued to see record levels of deal flow in Q1, with valuations soaring even higher as the pandemic-driven uncertainty is giving way to optimism in many sectors. Our reporter, Eliza Ponchi, caught up with Clearwater partners Thomas Armgren and Lars Jakobsen to discuss the main trends at play in the region. Hello, I'm Eliza Ponchi and I'm joined by Lars Jakobsen. Hello. And Thomas Almgren. Hi who are partners at Clearwater International in Denmark and Sweden, respectively. Thank you both for joining me today. Great being here. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, very good. Excited to be here. Okay, good. Lars, uh, so can you tell me what Q1 this year was like for the Nordic private equity market? Absolutely. Well, we've seen 
very strong activity in the Nordic uh, M&A market and also for the PE market in Q1. I think we saw a lot of catch up in 2020 after the COVID uh, broke a bit down. And, and what we've seen in Q1 has been a lot of uh, new deals emerging uh, and coming to market, uh, which has been quite strong. I guess it's been it's been focused about some sectors which has been quite COVID resistant or even COVID positive related. You could see we had a lot of e-commerce deals going through with PEs. We've seen TMT deals going through quite nice uh, valuations as well. And of course, healthcare has also been quite strong. Um, we've also seen some pickups in, you could say, value shares with very stable markets, even increasing demand in industrials. So we see quite strong interest in that as well. And I guess the, the overall perspective has also been there was a lot of private equity who's had a lot of catching up to do as they lost six or maybe nine months of investments in 2020 when the market laid still. And, and some of these who are in their well investment phase of their uh, cycle, while well, they're in a, could be in a bit of urgency to get those investments done. And that, I think we've seen that trend in the market right now. Interesting. And uh, what are some of the trends that continue to dominate the Nordic private equity market? I think we have we have two overall trends. I think we'll still see strong interest for the sectors I mentioned before, but but as also I briefly said, I think we see like we see in the capital markets that there is an increasing focus also on what we will call value shares. So strong, stable companies in strong sectors where you see a, a nice cash generation, nice dividend payment. Uh, that's quite in, in high uh, focus as well now. Uh, but but definitely the overall most dominant trend has been the focus on ESG. So basically all companies driven by sustainability uh, trend or drivers, well, they have quite a strong position and we see quite a strong focus from private equity in those sectors. We see new private equity groups uh, popping up with that very strict ESG focus in their investments. And, and I'm sure we'll see even more of that going forward. Okay, great. Um, another thing we've seen a lot of um, in the Nordic private equity market is PE-backed companies uh, going public. Can you talk a bit about that, Thomas? Sure. Um, we've seen a huge deal volume in the IPO market from backed companies going to um, the stock market uh, and valuations have also been quite strong. Um, sort of notable sectors is especially e-commerce where uh, Litorina IPO'd uh, Ragavista uh, and we also had the IPO of Pierce and there are also some um, significant IPOs coming uh, in sort of Q2 and possibly Q3 as well. Uh, but in general, the IPO volume has been and is expected to continue to be very, very strong uh, in the market. And um, a strong IPO sort of exit market gives private equity confidence as well to be quite aggressive in sales processes. So even from an M&A perspective, the attractive IPO and successful IPOs um, really sort of continue driving the demand for good assets. Um, other notable, we have the Lina's Matkasse Group, which IPO'd here in, in Q1, and uh, also Decenio, which was IPO'd by Verdain. So there's been a lot of, a lot of IPOs in the um, sort of tech and the um, e-commerce space, especially. 
Um, and what about the valuations you're seeing on the public side? And uh, are they, uh, do they match uh, the valuations on the private side? Um, I think we've sold some e-commerce businesses uh, during uh, the spring and valuations have been in line with what we've seen from the public market and from IPOs. Although it's, um, um, you might get a stronger valuation for a weaker asset in the stock market or in the public market, while in the private market you really need those uh, top tier assets to, to sort of match those valuations um, but usually companies going to the public market are also more mature so more mature companies are generally valued higher but we really have seen during the spring that some the sort of um, the very successful IPOs and IPO valuations have sort of spread into the private market as well. Okay, that's interesting. Um, now that it's looking like we're pretty much out of the pandemic, especially in Europe, um, are there things that are still a cause for concern or are there any effects of the pandemic that still linger? We, we don't foresee that many sort of um, uh, remaining issues with the pandemic. I think on the positive side, we do expect uh, sort of fast-growing consumer businesses and e-commerce businesses that and tech businesses that have benefited from the pandemic to continue doing well. Um, I don't think it's a temporary shift. I think it's more of a sort of sustained long-term accelera acceleration of long-term trends that we were seeing before the pandemic. Um, but some areas where I think there is still issues is in the travel and leisure industry. Um, and next year in sort of, uh, I think it's February or March, when tax rebates from the government are due to be paid, I think if we don't see any shift in policy, we could have a sort of a significant increase in companies needing to file for bankruptcy, especially in those sectors. So hotel, restaurant and travel and leisure, those are pro probably the sectors where we still see some serious concerns. Okay, I see. Now, Lars, looking ahead into the rest of 2021, how do you think the multiples are going to evolve? Yeah, that, that's that's a good question. I wish I knew. <laughs> but uh, but generally, you could say um, we've, we've seen quite attractive valuations for attractive assets, which which I guess is the primary thing we've seen in the last six months, that, that the companies who are in in sectors where you have attractive drivers and, and you have, a, well, good management teams, they've been going for quite attractive uh, multiples. But I guess looking at e-commerce transactions, for instance, if you have three-digit growth, well, it's easy to find a good multiple for those businesses. So so definitely attractive valuations we've seen. Um, I, I do believe it will continue. Um, I think we see there is plenty of cash in the market for both strategic and PE investors. So we do see quite high competition for the processes we're driving. And, and, and I guess what we see is that the buyers, both strategic and PE, when they see a good target, they go in pretty hard with the valuations up front to try to secure the place in the process, which I guess is is a bit different from what we've seen in the last couple of years because we do have this strong competition in the processes. 
And that uh, definitely helps drive up the valuations. I would say it's still to a fair value because we do have some attractive trends in many businesses. We do have a lot of attractive assets being brought to market. So I guess we don't see unhealthy valuations, but we see very good and strong valuations. And, and I would expect this to continue. Looking through our pipeline of projects we're going to bring to market, these are these are definitely attractive businesses that I expect uh, quite strong interest from, from both PE and strategic buyers. So I'm quite confident in the valuation uh, level we'll see going through 21. Of course, subject to any external things that could happen, as Thomas mentioned, but but I think as, as the market is right now and the economy is right now, I'm, I'm quite confident uh, for the rest of 21. Okay, this is great. Thank you very much for letting me have your predictions and thank you both for your time this afternoon and for your insight into the Nordics. Well, thank you very much for having us. It's very interesting. Thank you very much, Eliza. Definitely a region to keep an eye on. There is much more to the report, of course, so I would definitely urge you to download a copy and see how entry multiples have been progressing in other regions of Europe and for a granular look at how things have been playing out in different sectors. We will link to a PDF in the episode notes, but you can also find it very easily on both Onquid.com and Clearwater's own website. We very much look forward to returning in a few weeks' time to discuss the Q2 results of the heat map. The market remains incredibly busy, and I have a feeling pricing will remain bullish for a little while yet. Until then, thanks again to Clearwater for sponsoring this episode of the podcast, and thank you all, of course, for tuning in. We'll be back soon with a fresh episode, so don't forget to subscribe on your platform of choice. See you on the next one.